Hello everybody, welcome back to the Backroom Ballads. Today we have the final story of the 1956 era of ballads on our podcast known as Blackjack. A story about a retired boxer just trying to make his life day by day. We hope you enjoy the story. In 1956, I had two years in the NYPD. My partner had only six months, so between us, we really didn't have enough time in the job to be assigned together in a patrol car. But it was summer, the time when senior men took their vacations, and pickings to fill patrol cars was slim. And experienced cops like us just wanted to show that we didn't really need five years in the job to be good. Capable cops, which was a basic tenet in police work. So we tried to do every job right, the way experienced men would do it. Jim Braun, my partner, was only three months out of the academy, and even I was a senior to him. On this particular Saturday night, I drew for the first four hours, and at 8pm, became a recorder and Jim became the operator. About 8.15pm, we were told to call the operating house. When I got out of the car and called the sergeant, he told us to meet with a woman in front of Rigo Bowling Lanes. He said she had an arrest warrant for her ex-husband, who worked in the bowling alley, and she wanted him arrested and brought to the night court for non-support. The sergeant knew we didn't have any experience with warrants, so he advised me. It's easy, Alibet. Judge signed a warrant for this guy's arrest, so you can tell him and then bring him here for booking, so you can take him to the night court in Manhattan for arrangement, where his ex can say what she wants to the judge. Jim drove to Rigo Bowling Lanes, where a black woman came over to the car with the arrest warrant in her hand. Taking the warrant, I asked what her ex-husband looked like, and she described him to me. Then I asked if there was anything I should know about him. She looked at me and answered, Well, he's not dangerous, if that's what you mean. In fact, he's a very nice man, but I have my two little boys home. He's supposed to pay me support money each month, and it's been six months since I've seen a nickel. She was a decent person. Does he carry any weapons? I asked trying to get all the information I could before I went in and bagged the sky. Not that I know of, she answered, but he doesn't need any. All he needs are his fists. See, in 1955, he was a heavyweight boxing contender for the championship of the world. Then I read the arrest warrant and realized that the judge wanted no other than Blackjack Billy Fox, who had fought for the heavyweight title and lost the year before. I recalled that after an investigation, he admitted to having a fight with his manager. In the next round, he claimed he never saw a dime of payoff money. Rather than prosecuting him, the district attorney had barred him from professional boxing for 20 years, which meant he was finished with boxing for the rest of his life. Fox's manager denied having anything to do with his fixing a fight, claimed that Fox was a punch-drunk has-been, gambled away the payoff money after the championship fight was thrown, that Fox had drummed up the accusations to protect himself. I was a boxing enthusiast who believed at that time Fox had told the truth, that his manager had told him to take a dive in the third round, and he smelled the Fox out of the gate. I still believe it. Fox had a left hook that felt like his opponents were hit with a blackjack, so his ring name was Blackjack Billy Fox. I looked for the manager of the bowling alley, told him I was going to arrest one of his employees, then asked where I could find Fox. He's a pin setter in aisle 6 and 7, he said, pointing. Go in the back way, then up onto the catwalk to aisle 6 and 7. What makes you think he'll cooperate? He's twice your size and a little slow in the head. It's the only job he could get. He took it to pay his old lady the back support he owes her. Be careful, he could be dangerous. The catwalk was nothing more than an 8 inch wide plank. I balanced myself on it to alley 6 and 7, where Blackjack Billy Fox was picking up fallen pins after they had been knocked down by a bowling ball. Then he put them in a machine that was lowered, placing the pins where they belong. Back then, pin setting was done half by hand and half by machine. All the pin setters were stripped to the waist, sweating as they scrambled from one alley to the other, putting the pins in the setting machine as quickly as possible. Fox was built like a tank. His black skin glistened with sweat from constant motion. 
He was a perfect example of the human male physique. He didn't look up from what he was doing. When he finally saw me, he froze and stared. It was so noisy there that I signaled the manager to shut down all the fans and pin frames so Fox could hear me. Every man in the pits was watching and bowlers had walked up their lanes to see what was going on. Billy, I have a warrant for you. Judge wants to see you tonight. I said looking directly at him. What for? He asked. Your ex-wife wants you to play her support money. I answered. I ain't going. Fox responded. Well, there it was. Drama boiled down to whether or not Fox walked out of the building with me. He bluffed me and ran out on his own. The audience by that time was no longer a handful of watchers. It was now 50 or 60 people, all waiting for the climax. I said I'm not going, Fox repeated. I never was a bluffing man. As he looked at me, I knew he was testing me to see what I intended to do. I would hold my ground or back away. But it was not in my nature to back away, since responsibility and duty meant a whole lot to me as a cop. With all the machines shut down, it was awfully quiet. Everyone was wondering how the standoff would end. Alright Billy, you know what? I'm done. I said slowly. If you don't come here peacefully, I'll shoot you in the leg and drag you out of here. I drew my revolver and held it next to my leg, pointing down. I'll count down to three, I said, never taking my eyes off Fox. If you're not here by three, I'll blow your kneecap away. Suddenly, I realized I had got myself trapped into doing what I wasn't supposed to do, because I couldn't back down in front of all the people who were watching. To draw my revolver for a warrant arrest was ridiculous. While I knew it was wrong, I simply couldn't lose face as a cop in front of an audience. There was a common insecurity in a rookie cop that was running my show, but I could not bring myself to letting anyone know that I was an idiot. One, I yelled as Fox stared at me with a deep-set eyes. As I was so deep set, they would never get swollen from being punched. Fox didn't move. Two, I yelled again, remembering that he had gone down two times before he had taken the final count in the championship fight. Still had not moved, so I lifted my gun hand and pointed the gun directly at Fox's right knee, fully expecting to pull the trigger after I said three. To everyone's relief, Fox said, I'm coming. I holstered my revolver. He grabbed his shirt. We walked out together. We got to night court just in time for the judge to send $25 bail and schedule a hearing in family court on the ex-wife's non-support charge. I told the judge that Fox was working regularly for a salary trying to get the money to pay what he owned. Fox paid the $25 bail. 20 of it was his and 5 of it was mine because I didn't want a heavyweight contender to do his time in the slammer. We got off for the night court. I treated him to coffee and donuts at a local diner. And a quick note, $25 in 1956 is about $250 today. Blackjack Billy Fox was a nice guy who had been mistreated by a bad manager. Being banned from boxing ruined his life, but when I asked him about various fights and opponents, he came alive and described each one in detail. He said, I could usually read in my opponent's eyes when he attended it too. I beat him to the punch every time. Some guys, it's more obvious than in others. The eyes say it all if you know how to read them. Like tonight, when you said you'd shoot me in the leg, I watched your eyes and realized you were actually going to shoot me. Tell me if I'm right or not. Yeah, Billy, I said. Would have shot you if it didn't come peacefully. I answered. See, I knew it. That's why I came peacefully. It was in my mind to take out all my anger on you, to beat you to a pulp, to make up for all the rotten things people have done to me. When I saw in your eyes that I was going to be a cripple for the rest of my life, because you were going to shoot me and drag me out of there. So I changed my mind at the last second. He finished speaking and I said, Billy, you're okay with me? I held out my right hand and we both shook silently. A while later, I spoke to a friend of mine who was looking for a good worker in his lumberyard 
I recommended Billy Fox. He ended up working there for 10 years, making a decent salary and paying his bills. 1979, that Billy had died of a blood clot on his brain and had been buried in Potter's Field. Remember that he told me what he wanted on his tombstone. Here lies Blackjack Billy Fox, who couldn't for losing. Thank you to everyone who listened to the story of Blackjack by us at the Backroom Ballads. Just a reminder that we have usually weekly episodes on Fridays or Saturdays, and if we don't for some reason, you can find us on Instagram at the Backroom Ballads for more information from us. Anyway, have a good rest of your week, and we'll see you back here soon. Mm-hmm.